Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started on this podcast show aboard this tiny ship. The host was a mighty podcast man, insane Mike Braventure. Five five podcasters set sail that day on a two-hour show. A two-hour show. The movie started getting rough. Andy's cookies he did toss. (laughs) If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the podcast would be lost. The podcast would be lost. Island horror movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Aloha, and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast, your tropical resort for all things horror. This is episode 271, and we are calling it Island Horror. We will be talking about horror movies that take place on an island. That's a well-titled episode. (laughs) If this is your first time listening to our show, let me explain. Attack of the Killer podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends, we get together with a topic, and we talk about movies within that topic. We're all just friends here, hanging out, so we speak openly and freely, so there may be spoilers. Now, if you like the show, you should consider becoming an attacker. Go to jointheattackers.com. There you can pick the tier of your choice and donate to the show and help the show keep going. With your donation, you become a member of of the Attack of the Killer podcast family. We almost stopped, and then we got some more attackers. They were like, all right, we'll keep going. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, it's a real thing. It could end, like, right now. Stop it. Okay. Uh, Anyway, you can become a member of the Attack of the Killer podcast family uh, that we call the attackers. You get all kinds of perks when becoming an attacker. You... Um, can get bonus episodes, shout out, shout outs on the show and the website, videos, uh, invites to exclusive events, and so much more, including merch. Again, all you gotta do is go to jointheattackers.com, donate to the show, and become an attacker today. Do it. And now it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew. The podcast set ground on the shore of this uncharted desert isle with my own personal Gilligan, Jason. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm happy to be here. Sorry, go ahead and sing. The millionaire, he wishes Ted good. I do wish. Hi, guys. The movie star, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And he's both the professor and Marianne, Brian Clark. <laughs> I'm back and madder than ever. <laughs> How does he can, do it? I don't want to know. You can make a radio out of a coconut, but you can't fix a hole in the fucking boat. <laughs> <sighs> I said it once. I'll say it again. Shutter is the best horror streaming service. Unlike other streaming channels that make you pay every month but never update their content, Shudder is consistently adding so much great content to appeal to any type of horror fan. Sign up for Shudder today. If you do, 
if you're, you're still not sure, you can get a free month of Shudder on us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Just go and put in our promo code AOTKP and you'll get your first free month. Again, the promo code is AOTKP. And since I am the best at segues, here's Tad with what we watched. Fire up that letterbox. Andy, what have you watched? (laughs) Okay, here we go. I will start off. uh, Since I um, picked up a few actual bootlegs when I was at Horror Hound in Cincinnati. (gasps) Don't say that out loud. Sorry. Sorry. Um, uh, This had been discontinued by uh, Shout Factory, and it's one of my... uh, Guilty pleasures that that Stuart Gordon did that is not a horror movie, and it's called uh, Robot Jocks, and it looks really yes. good on a Blu-ray transfer, and it actually has um, he has a very small role in it. Uh, Jeffrey Combs is actually in this, if you pay attention to the crowd, I believe. But yes, basically your uh, mech warrior kind of kind of feel to it, and. Um, yeah, it's just these two giant robots fighting over territory, you know, in um, in the future. And I just always I always liked it when I was a kid, and I didn't have like a Blu-ray of it, so I picked that up. I also I also got the um, the whole bloody affair of the Kill Bill series, and it's seamless on a uh, a Blu-ray between the two movies. And I haven't really watched. Um, the, the whole thing per se, but I watched what was included and the whole crazy 88 scene where it supposedly goes uh, black and white. This is all full color and it's, and it looks really, really good. So I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out. And I also bought trick or treat on, uh, on a Blu-ray too. So hopefully that, hopefully that turns out really well too. Um, I watched the uh, Ozploitation uh, movie, biker movie called Stone. Have you guys heard of this? No, I haven't, no. I haven't seen it yet, though. It's it's on my list. It's on uh, Tubi, I think. Yes, it's it's not it's not bad. Uh, they talk about it a little bit in um, Not Quite Hollywood. You guys ever seen that movie? Uh, oh, yeah. It's from the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, you know, because Quentin Tarantino like really loves this movie. Just that the motorcycle stunt that when he goes off the cliff that looks awesome. Um, it's not it's not bad. Um, I think definitely the movie Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth just kind of rips rips off this movie. It's just like a modernized version of that. But basically, it's an Australian biker movie where a cop has to inf- infiltrate a motorcycle gang called the Grim Reapers and. Uh, they touch on Satanism because supposedly they're all they're Satanists, but I mean it's like very very mildly put. But uh, somebody's offing all these bikers, and they need to find out who. So the uh, the cop infiltrates the biker gang, and then hopefully tries to figure out you know who's trying to kill them all. But uh, not 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 bad. Um, it's it was said to have. Uh, kind of kickstarted the Ozploitation thing before Mad Max and the Road Warrior and all this and that, but not bad. Um, I, other than those two, I also want to, I also went to the theater 
uh, this weekend. And since, you know, it's apparently where I'm from, it's kind of like, you know, how how Tad says Burlington's kind of dumb. It's like, you know, basically if it's not a Marvel movie, it's not worth going to. Um, I went and saw Pearl, and I had the whole theater to myself. Granted, it was 2 o'clock on we, a Sunday afternoon, but... We did, too, on a Wednesday night, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, you had the theater to yourself? Yeah, God. that's a bummer. Wow. Um, it's <clears throat> nice, nice, but... Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. but it's it's kind of disheartening that people's tastes are in their ass. Um, Ew. I will say uh, that I have yet to see a Ty West movie that I didn't like. Um, Cabin Fever 2. Ooh, ouch. I love oh, Cabin Fever 2. Okay, okay, well, that I should mean, have been on my I, list. For I, the I, bonus he tried to get his name off it, though. <laughs> I didn't yeah, dislike yeah. it. I don't, I, don't dis, I don't dislike that one, but, I mean, it's definitely uh, lower on the totem pole, so to speak. Um, this movie is awesome. Uh, Pearl is great. I mean, what, right when you first started uh, watching it, you feel like you're watching like a Turner classic movie. Um, it's, it's so well done. It's so well shot and it's, you know, it's your traditional Ty West slow burn, but once it starts burning, it is delightfully apeshit. It is great. Um, Tyler Bates, um, channeled him some straight up Bernard Herman shit when he did the score to this, which is awesome. I got to grab that on vinyl. It is so good. So good. Um, Mia Goth's performance is stellar. Um, even during, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but even during, there's like this long drawn out, um, monologue. In, in the credit, yeah, long drawn out oh, monologue. No, credits. Yeah. Well, and, and, and both. And I wasn't really just turned off by, uh, either one of them. I was just like, okay, just, I, I didn't feel like it was too long and, and, and they are. But I what I was still engaged, and just watching her in the credits, just the slow descent into like this uh, happiness, and, into like this deranged look on her face, and she's like crying, and it's just all this this weird wavelength of emotions that she goes through without even saying a word while she has like this big gigantic joker grin on her face. It's just, it's really weird to look at. Um, what else, what else is there? Uh, it really, really has me geared and jazzed up to see the third movie in this series. Um, Stay past. Uh, I don't. I don't really want to t- say what you see at the end credits, but uh, what, when the credits are over, just uh, s- stay there and keep watching. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um, I wanted to uh, during the previews. What this kind of bummed me out because I wanted to go in blind, but I saw the uh, trailer to Barbarian. Um, which and now I really want to see, but uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that I saw in Pearl that just really kind of blew me away. Um, just uh, the the evolution of of Pearl's madness is is very very entertaining in this movie, and I, I will say this about her character: you want to feel sorry for her, you really do, but you can't. 
And yeah, I highly, highly recommend uh, go see Pearl. And that's what I watched. All right, Jason, what have you watched? Well, guys, uh, there's this thing coming up here. Uh, I believe the weekend this episode airs is it will be Halloween Palooza. So, ooh, I've heard of that. Yeah, so listen to this on your way to Atumwa. That's right at the Bridgeview Center, Friday and Saturday, October seventh and eighth. I love that you're taking this opportunity during what we watched to plug Halloween Palooza. So keep going. What oh. can you do at Halloween Palooza? Oh, man, you're the guy for that. Uh, so much stuff. <laughs> well, you like horror movies. It's an international horror film festival. What? I know. Would there be, like, celebrities and stuff there, though? There totally is from awesome <sighs> horror movies there. And they'll be Ooh. signing autographs and taking pictures and kissing your babies. And, well, there's Debbie Rashawn. Oh, yeah. Kind of got a crush on her. Uh, there's Naomi Grossman. Awesome. American Horror Story. Yeah, yeah. And Dwayne Whitaker. Ooh. He's been in things. Yeah. And then the, Justin Beam. You heard of him? Anyway. He's the biggest celebrity <laughs> he there. He might be. I know. Did somebody just whistle? Did I hear a whistle? <laughs> yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, well, yeah, come to come to that. But also, I haven't seen any movies um, <laughs> since last episode. I've been busy working on that. Uh, Understandable. But, yeah. The, I did take time because I, the two shows that are... I watch a couple episodes of shows that are ongoing right now. Um, House of the Dragon, I got a, a, I watched that. And that's been really good. Is that the RuPaul show? No. Archer back and, and growl at me like a that, dragon. That, that's the um, Game of Thrones. Game spin-off. of Thrones. Yeah, you watching the Lord RuPaul. of the Rings one? And the Rings of Power. Yes, I love it. Lord of the Rings is my favorite movie ever, and. So both of these are prequels, which is neat. Um, and just, yeah, I get two hours a week of just fantasy awesomeness. Um, yeah, I'm loving it. Are any of you guys watching any of these? No? Yeah, I'm watching House of the Dragon, and I, it is good. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I love Matt Smith because, you know, my introduction to him was he was the doctor, uh, the 11th doctor ah, in Doctor Who. So, uh, How so many minutes been, into been this? Yeah, and time? Oh, we're <laughs> he just had time. 14 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> Congrats. Oh, and I'm glad. I'm, I, I, ha- I have heard that the <laughs> showrunner has already jumped ship, so that's not a great sign. Oh, of Some studio fuckery. But sure. uh, it's, it's good so far, and I will say... It is, and it is a different showrunner than the initial oh, yeah. yep. Game of Thrones, and it is fucking ballsy of them. And I'm sure they had already had it in production and spent a bunch of money, so they had to go ahead with it. But to make another Game of Thrones thing, oh, yeah. when I have never seen a a property and shit so its pants on the landing so hard that it literally went from biggest pop culture phenomenon of the decade to no one was talking about it overnight. It right. sucked so bad. It erased no. itself no. from the cultural no. zeitgeist. You it was incredible. You're listening to the wrong people. That last season was incredible. It was amazing. And y'all are crazy. <laughs> crazy. Uh... You say that anyway. in such a calm tone, it just makes you seem like this <sighs> boiling rage is under, <laughs> under the surface. Just trying to hold it in, guys. Just trying to hold it in. But, uh, so, so you like uh, 
really in-depth involved things that take up tons of your time and engage you emotionally and then completely fail to pay off anything that's uh, that's your thing that's you where, like ed- you like edging videos is that's what you're where saying. i would disagree <laughs> you got seven hours of getting Bullshit. the answers we like the seventh season was like finally we get some closure on all these goddamn storylines uh, and I well, loved it closure that. in that had... they ended. <laughs> anyway, so oh, man, boy. that's what I watched. Next. I think you invited Brian on, right? So, <laughs> speaking of Brian, Mike this time. So, what did Jason do to you, Mike, that made you mad enough that he got me on here? To... I just wanted to talk about Mad Doctor with somebody else who'd probably appreciate it. Brian, what have you watched? Anyway, I watched a whole bunch of my money disappear at Crypticon. <laughs> <laughs> we we went to Crypticon Minneapolis uh, last weekend as of this recording, so like a month ago from whenever people are listening to it. Um, it was a blast. I, apparently, uh, Tad, I think you were the one who told me that the Kansas City one had been canceled, and that was probably why the Minneapolis one was insanely stacked. Like, literally three times the amount of guests I think they've ever had before. Yeah. It was nuts. So I bought tons of stuff, not all of it for me. Some of it was, was gifts, but I did get uh, autographs from uh, um, Thomas Waits and Richard Master from um, The Thing. And I got a, an original, uh, I mean, yeah, huh? I, I, was, I, I think they were at Whorehound as well. Oh, yeah, There's probably. I'm, I'm sure that they're making the circuit, yeah, yeah. As long as they're out to one, they might as well make the, the rounds, right? And then uh, Ken Forey was there, so I had him sign an nice. original uh, one sheet of From Beyond. Ooh. Um, as movie-wise, uh, you were talking about you wanted to see Barbarian. I took Tad's advice and knew absolutely nothing about it and just went to the damn theater to see it. And, oh boy, what a fucking ride. That movie is amazing. I'm not going to say anything else about it because you shouldn't know anything about it when you go see it, but go yeah, fucking yeah, see yeah. Barbarian. It I is w- so I... good. Yeah, I want to. I can, actually, I can remember the last time I was genuinely like on edge with fear in the theater. And it was uh, 47 meters down in the scene where she's swimming out into the complete Hell darkness. Yeah. That yeah. freaked me the fuck out. But there Ooh. were several scenes in Barbarian. Like I was just letting the movie suck me in, and I, you, you can feel the goosebumps coming, and the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Like it was freaky, and I was getting some tense great watching the trailer. And, yeah, right. I I watched the trailer, and I'm just like, I was like fully engaged. I was just like, whoa, what's happening to my arm? Yeah, that's hair. <laughs> okay. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, I've, I've subscribed to Vinegar Syndrome, so I've been getting all kinds of crap in the mail from them. Uh, bought a crap. bunch of, uh, <laughs> hon- yeah, bought a bunch of Hong Kong Category 3 movies recently. I've been kind of digging into that. So I watched uh, Erotic Ghost Story and Dr. Lamb, and then I've been plowing through all the special features. Those are both great if you want some really fun. Well, Erotic Ghost Story isn't really that fucked up. It's actually kind of sweet, which is weird to say about a Category 3 movie. <laughs> Dr. Lamb is extremely fucked up, though. Um, and then I kind of went on a little uh, Kurosawa jag uh, a while ago. So I watched uh, Ikiru and High and Low and The Hidden Fortress and The Seven Samurai. And nice. goddamn, the dude is a master for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> Those movies are amazing. Yeah. What is a Category 3 movie? 
Uh, it's a it's the rating system of of movies in Hong Kong. Well, they don't. I don't think they really use it anymore. Maybe they do. Um, since since the handover, it, it was initiated in the late '80s. I want to say maybe '88, and uh, it, it it was basically their version of NC-17. But they okay. kind of became a genre unto themselves. Although they encompass several, like there's usually either there's serial killer ones, there's like uh, triad gangster police violence ones and then there's like weird gross supernatural ones like erotic ghost story uh sex and zen eternal evil of asia etc but they're just really weird gnarly gross but also like there's a lot of comedy in them they're kind of jarring if you're not used to the the formula and the, the style of storytelling but they're a lot of fun if you like gross movies and i like gross movies so there you go <laughs> My thought was that it was uh, like there's in in the U.S. It's like we call not good movies B movies, and I'm like category three. There's another category. There's good movies <laughs> no. B movies, and then the, this is just like the bottom of the barrel category three. Okay, no, no. they don't even want to give it a, a letter. <laughs> a letter. Just, yeah. <laughs> there's uh, my buddy John. Well, you guys know John. He used to be on yes. Late Night Psychorama. He's on. Uh, he's got a great podcast now called Twitch of the Death Nerve with uh, Sam Deegan and Charles. Sorry, I forgot his last name. So if he listens to this, he can come and punch me in the wiener, I guess. Um, but uh, Sam does a lot of commentaries on these. In fact, she did the commentary for Ebola syndrome from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, she's on the commentary for... Uh, or, uh, she did an, a commentary for Erotic Ghost Story. I can't remember if there's another one on that disc, too. A lot of these things. It's weird. Like, these movies that you used to not be able to get, but for, like... 19th generation bootleg VHS traded under the table at some like sleazy basement convention or whatever uh, are now coming out on pristine Blu-rays with like eight hours worth of special features on them, multiple commentaries and documentaries and God, what a time to be a genre fan. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I guess that leaves you, Mike. What have you watched? I, too, haven't watched much, but I did get a couple movies in. Um, so I finally got around to watching X, speaking of uh, of Pearl. Um, so I watched X finally for the first time, and it was it was great. It was great. Uh, it may have been a little too long before I watched it, because I let the hype maybe build too much. Um, you know, because, you know, it kind of felt, you know, a little... I mean, I was expecting something more more i guess but i still thought it was great um you know it's definitely very ty west um and it's like slow burn and and everything but uh really engaging characters and but i have a i'm gonna ask you tad mr trivia guy because you made a comment on our um uh um messenger uh, a little Group trivia chat. about about these two movies, and uh, you want to share that now because I have a question on Pearl and X. Yeah, the uh, the thing that they filmed them both at the same time that that trivia. Yeah, yeah, that trivia. So basically, Ty West he pitched X to A twenty four, and they thought, great, cool, let's do it. But it was uh, when they got ready to start filming. It was peak COVID time, so they sent them to New Zealand to shoot it. And while they were there, um, they thought, you know, this is at the time there was Hollywood was completely shut down. This is like the only place to shoot, so 
he reached back out to A24 and was like, we have all the cast crew here. Why would we just film this one quick movie, come back after we've isolated? We, we're coming back to nothing. We cannot shoot when we come back. You guys, the studio, are not able to make anything else. Would you be okay if I made another movie in this franchise while we're here with everybody, the same cast crew, everybody, and just keep shooting, just keep us here a little bit longer? And they thought, great idea. And so they did so. So, um, and it's turning into a trilogy. Uh, did he have this mapped out from the beginning or? No. It just, the idea came to him while shooting X and X was first, right? Yes, X, X was first, and the, as, I don't think this is a spoiler. Has everyone seen X? Yep. Brian, have you seen X? No, I haven't. Well, this isn't really a spoiler, but Mia Goth plays the lead and the old lady in the movie, but that's not a spoiler. She plays two characters in the movie, and she plays another character in... Pearl, obviously, the lead in Pearl. Um, So I guess from the interview I listened to or watched with Ty West and Mia Goth, um, she basically was, like, developing these characters, and she was like, I want to know their backstory, where she came from, why this character is the way she is. So what if we explored that more in, like, a prequel, like, set this up? And so they were writing it at, like, on their off time when they weren't shooting – because they're in New Zealand and everything was still shut down, they couldn't go out. They couldn't, and they they had a, they couldn't leave the set because of COVID protocol. So they were all like basically living as a family together, as like a commune in New Zealand. So why not just re- start writing another movie while we're filming this one? So when it's done filming, we have another screenplay and we film another movie. Cool. I mean, that's awesome. And usually when that stuff happens in like the history of, of our genre in particular, when a movie's made back to back to, you know, to stretch that dollar out and get two movies, the, the second movie in that production seems to lack. I don't know if it's fatigue from shooting or, um, you spent more of your budget on the first film than the second film, which is more net, more than, whatnot but just things i've seen from pearl not that i've seen pearl yet but the stuff i look from pearl it looks like production wise is superior to x yes it look it it is like production value like everything it looks like they gave him twice the budget and uh but i think both movies are about filmmaking and i think he was going for that because x is set in the 70s mm-hmm. and pearl yeah. is set in 1918 mm. and it's like if it's almost like like andy said it, it's like watching something on turner classic movies or like wizard of oz or like a classic movie like it's just unbelievable yeah. the tone is completely different if you like people keep asking me because of my glowing reveal of Pearl, they're like, do I have to see X first? I'm like, no, like you can just no. go watch it. And I, I would almost like, I, I've sort of told people like, this could be my mom's favorite movie. If they did, if they cut out the violence, like it's, yeah, it feels like, I don't know, man. It's a, it feels like a genuine classic movie. It's really fantastic. And it is weird. That's what blows my mind is that this in our, it, the way we've heard about it is like, this was almost like an afterthought or like, a, yeah. the way he described it was like, 
well, we're all here. We might as well shoot another movie. And you would think that would result in not necessarily a bad movie, just not as good, but it's better yeah. in my mind. Hmm. Yeah. That's I mean, really it's, interesting. I, I think it might be like, the way Tad said about the tone of the movies, like this is supposed, this is set in nineteen eighteen, and it's like a almost like a puritanical uh, sense of times. And you know, whereas you know, you've got the late seventies, and they're shooting porn. So I mean, it might it might even have like a grimier sepia tone to it. I don't yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely had that seventies tone to it for sure. Um, yeah, so X was great. Uh, the only other thing I got to watch is, um, Brandy and I celebrated our anniversary a little early because our anniversary is on October 1st and, yeah, forget about it. There's too much going on. So I wanted to, uh, surprise her and celebrate it early. So we went and hung around in, um, Iowa City. And one of the things I thought to do was, you know, go see a movie. And, um, so I was looking through what movies were playing in Iowa City, and I guess um, they've been. Uh, there's been this like, like, nationwide um, studio uh, Ghibli uh, film festival that's been going on for like a month and a half or something like that. Yeah, it's Fathom events. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm flipping through, and I see Howl's Moving Castle was playing, and she loves Studio Ghibli. So I'm like, okay, well that's what we're gonna do. I mean, how often you're gonna get a chance to see that? something like that on a big screen, especially like, you know, I've, I've never seen an anime on the big screen, neither had she, let alone a studio Ghibli film. So, and it was my first time seeing, I've only ever seen one other, um, one other movie I seen spirited away, which she showed me. Um, so it's the first time I ever seen uh, Howl's moving castle and it was awesome. It was great. Yeah. That there's a reason why there's such a strong fan base for, for those movies. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Ghibli. Yeah, we saw Spirited Away in the theater a few years ago for an anniversary screening, and that was the first time I'd, I'd seen a lot of their other ones, but I hadn't seen that one before. So, yeah, it is a cool way to see one for the first time, especially at a, at a yeah. theater. And that and uh, Spirited Away, um, we're probably going to go see it because it's the last one of this uh, film festival, and it's playing. I think it's on the thirtieth and the first. Um, so we're probably going to probably going to go see that. I want to take Simon to it because he's gotten really into anime, but. Uh, you know, definitely more modern stuff. So he hasn't seen any of the Studio Ghibli stuff, and he would totally dig it. So you should tell him to watch Godzilla Singular Point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't go wrong, anime and Godzilla. I was just asking if you were, you were making fun of the you know. Oh, we checked off the timer for when he said something about Doctor oh. Who. So I was just wondering if you're <laughs> anyone had a stopwatch on. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the Godzilla. Room. Yep. All right, Tad. What were you gonna say? I was just going to say, um, when you say he watches more modern stuff, I'm like, God damn it. I'm old enough to think like, well, Studio Ghibli is modern anime, right? <laughs> no? Okay. I'm old. Yep. Fuck, Tad's old. Welcome yeah. to the Princess club. Mononoke just came out 20-some oh. years ago. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Awesome. Dude, I remember when those movies came out, when Disney had the rights there for a while and released them in clamshell VHSs. So that should tell you how old those movies are. <clears throat> anyway, that's all I watched. But uh, Tad, what did you watch? I, like Brian, watched um, all of my money disappear at Halloween Horror Nights, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a great time. 
I did a little bonus video for you attackers, uh, showing off my haul from there and talked a little bit about it. I tried to put a video I took from a scare zone, but there was music in the background. So YouTube said, no, thank you. So I had to cut that off the end of the video, but, um, I might just post it in the Facebook group or something, but, uh, really fun year. That was really cool. Um, on the flight home, I watched the King's man on, on my phone as God intended, you know, uh, <laughs> watching it on the smallest iPhone available. Um, right. I had held off watching that movie and it was like just the right length to watch on my flight. So, uh, I'm sort of glad I watched it on a flight and didn't sit at home watching it cause I didn't love it. It's okay, but out of the three, I think this is the third one, the Kingsman movies, this was my least favorite. It was like a period piece. It was not set in modern times. It had Rasputin in it. It was sort of cool. I mean, it had some cool fight scenes, but uh, I missed, was it Taron Egerton or something? That that kid from, you know, that played Elton John, and he was in the first two Kingsman movies. He's fantastic, and he's not in this one, so I missed him uh, and Michael Caine. But... uh, it wasn't bad. I just it's a definitely a movie to pass the time on a on a plane. So um watched The Kingsman, then I of course watched Pearl. I've gushed about it, um loved it, highly recommend it. And then I watched Rob Zombie's The Munsters. Here we go. No, oh I'm not going to I'm not going to just shit all over it. Look, it it is gorgeous and I I read a, a interview with uh Rob today. It was sort of a bit enlightening to the situation. Um, I sort of joked when we were watching it. I'm like, I can't wait to hear, um, when, when this movie gets bombed, Rob's excuses. Cause he's, he sometimes does that. Um, and he's already sort of come out and said, well, the studio came to me and they said, the only way I could do it is if, uh, I, I could not shoot it in black and white. So I went the polar opposite and made it as bright and colorful as possible. And when he put these characters, these actors in the makeup, he said they looked like um, cartoons like they looked like they're made of rubber so he's like well, I told them to just overact like act like you're a cartoon um, and so they do and it's not as bad as the trailer is um, I think I don't, I don't know why Universal let whoever edit that trailer on iMovie or whatever it's the trailer truly makes it look way worse than it is uh, it's a little long it's like almost two hours long which wow it's an origin story. I don't think that's a secret. Um, so it's how like Herman came to be, which I was a little bit like, so I don't really get the point of it. Cause we've seen that story with Frankenstein and, um, young Frankenstein. Like it's literally just, just the same story. Like I, I, I just, they got the brain from the, like Igor stole the wrong brain and they put it in the body. And that's how Herman Munster was made. I'm like, that's, young Frankenstein, but, um, so we don't even get Eddie. Nope. Wow. You can't really call them the monsters then now, can you? Uh, well, they are, but it, it got to a point where I, I'm trying not to spoil it, but it's not really, you can't really spoil a monsters movie. Cause you know, the characters, but, um, up to a point where they move to mockingbird lane it's like at that point the story comes to a screeching halt and then it just becomes fish out of water where the the whole origin story they're around they're they're in uh transylvania so they're around other monsters then they move to mockingbird lane and it's like of course all the neighbors are like whoa they're they're monsters 
and that's like the rest of the movie. And it's like, there's nothing happens besides people seeing them and, and being in shock. And it's like, this could have been like a half hour shorter. I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it's, I think Rob struggles with his writing, and that's oh, yeah. even more evident when he can't lean on, like, fucking, you know, his... Trailer. His, yeah. Trailer, it, par- trailer park and knees. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's even worse here. Because, and I mentioned in the group chat that it's uh, very, uh, you know, it's like one-liners, one-liner puns after another, which, you know, we got a lot in the the series, but at least on the original series, there was like, a message in every episode, like a little bit of it was a, moral a sitcom, compass. right? It was a sitcom that we learned a life lesson in every episode, like whether it was through Eddie and it was like, you know, we learned a lighthearted message and this, there's none of that. It's literally just like, it's, it's just the characters going after each other. And I don't know, visually it is awesome. The score was unbelievably bad. I hated the score. It was, trombones and bump 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 and xylophones and it sounded like a kid's show from the 90s uh it, it you said it had a lot of slide whistles too right yeah after jokes there would be like Whoop. uh nikki <laughs> checked out after 15 minutes um <laughs> i stayed through it with my friend adam we made it all the way through and i i, I like i said the makeup everything it looks really cool like they did a fantastic job with the makeup, uh, and the lighting is like Dario Argento on LSD. It's just like there's not a fucking huh. plain color on this movie. I mean, like Herman like fucking glows the whole movie neon green, but uh, it's almost like a middle finger to the studio. They said you can't shoot this in black and white, and he's like, "Then I'm not gonna have any black or white in this movie. Everything's gonna be fucking bright and hurt your eyes." But uh, it's worth checking out. I mean. You know, it it could have been way worse, and it's clear that Rob loves this franchise so much, and I commend him for trying something completely new out of his wheelhouse. Um, you know, he said he's been trying to get on board for this several times, even before that thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane on NBC. Like every time someone's had the rights, he's tried to get a get into a pitch for it, and he finally got it. And um, I think you know, if nothing else. He got to get that out of his system. Good for him. Uh, you can tell they had a blast on set. Daniel Roebuck is fucking awesome as Grandpa. He's really fantastic. And I think it's like he, he's a fan. I, I, in that interview, Rob was saying he's like a big, huge fan of like his favorite actors, Don Knotts, and he loves old sitcoms. And, and like you, you could tell. You ever seen that guy's monster collection? Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say Daniel like, Robux is a big. He's I, fan. I met him at Horror Hound, and I talked with him for like you know at least like almost like around five to ten minutes, and we just was he was just he had like this big display, sh- and he had like this uh, TV on his table, sh- and it was his like little special showing like his horror toys. I mean, he had like the biggest, most elaborate setup that I've ever seen like at a convention. It was crazy. Yeah, it's clear that he like I don't know. It felt like. Uh, what's his name that plays uh, Herman? Uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips. Yeah, and he, I love him. He's very funny, um, and he he physically fits the role pretty well. But I think his Tall direction, guy. yeah, his direction for like like Daniel Roebuck stuck to sort of the classic grandpa while he went. He tried to do the opposite, which I know you don't want to live in the shadow of the original, but it's like doing a preview at prepubescent like teenage voice that cracks the whole time. And he's like, 
I don't know, man. Something about it just is, it gets really sort of annoying really quick. But overall, I, I, like I said, I didn't want to shit on it for 15 minutes and I recommend everyone go check it out. It's, it's uh, worth watching at least once just to form your own opinion. Cool. Okay. Is it, is it out officially now? In it the- is on Netflix right now. Okay. Yeah, and on DVD and Blu-ray, it's on digital, it's everywhere, it's uh, okay. it's out there. It's PG, PG's Rob Zombie movie. Weird. I know. Even when he does animated films, they're not PG. There's there's only like one, I could only see like one sort of adult um, sort of joke, and it's like when the Nosferatu character is trying to get uh, uh, Lily Munster back into his place, I'm assuming to kill her and make her a vampire. He has a neon light above his door that says, if the tomb is rocking, don't come knocking. <laughs> That's just cute. I'm just, I'm just amazed. Like at the sets on this movie, like they built this, I think they shot this thing in like Bulgaria or something. And uh. it's just ama- like, they had to spend a fortune. And the, the thing that they focused on was 1313 Mockingbird Lane, like remaking that house. And it's in like one shot. Oh no. It's just wow. in that shot we saw in the trailer that where they recreate the intro uh-huh. of the in this black and white, and that's probably the you know my favorite part of the movie. But it's like you built that house for this, okay? Like, wow, yeah, it's weird. I don't know, but and, and it's clear that they saved on cast because everybody plays like four characters. <laughs> All right, interesting. Yeah, Daniel Roebuck is like, I'm like, oh, there he is again playing another character. Okay, cool. Hmm. Weird. Okay. I definitely want to check it out. I mean, I have no expectations for it, but... Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Ted. So, there's the North Pole. There's the South Pole. And then there's our pole. It's time once again for Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. All right, Pole Position time. Let's take a quick look back. Episode 269's Pole Position. The question, what is the best water death in a horror movie? Do you remember your answers? I'll tell you. Insane Mike says, Creep Show, Final Destination 5. Yeah. Jason said, Jaws and the Abyss. Tad says, Trick or Treat, Night of the Hunter. And Andy says, The Prowler and Halloween 2. Oh, man, such good ones. Uh I don't think I even remember to vote for myself this time. Uh, Oh, no. Well. So, Ted had no votes. Actually, Andy forgot really hard. So, (laughs) he's in last place with 9.1% of the votes. Wow. So, someone did vote for him if he has a percentage. Yeah, at least one person. I never vote for myself. I (laughs) And then uh, we got a two-way tie for second and third. Oh, so I guess we'll just read the winner with 36.4% of the vote. It's me. God damn it. Jason. Well, that's because you have the most Twitter accounts. That's I have a lot. <laughs> I don't use them all. <laughs> that's good, though. You're just probably on Twitter more than us, so you can be I'm pimping sure. it. I'm on Twitter probably more than Jason. but uh, yeah, That's true. Oh, yeah? You want to have a Twitter off? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I have 17 accounts. All right. But let's get into this episode's poll position. The question, 
What is the best island horror films? I'm excited for this one because oh yeah, Brian, tw- have you heard of Twitter? Twitter's this awesome place <laughs> uh, where kids go and hang out on the internet. Uh, that's where the kids go. It sounds awful. Okay, all right. Um, Brian's going to take my place on this one, so I'm really excited. He gets to play on Twitter, sort of, kind of. I get to get Jason zero votes. That's very possible. Oh, it's going to have your name, buddy, your name. Um, So let's go to the random sequence generator. So uh, two rounds like normal um, draft style. Um, And St. Mike's one, Brian will be two, Tad will be three, Andy will be four. Here we go. Okay, so Andy's first, and then Brian, and then Insane Mike, and then Tad. All right, so. It's going to be interesting. Andy, you are up first. What is the best island horror film? Okay, um, probably not a lot of people have seen this one, but I still go with my heart. But you remember when The Hunger Games was actually good? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you got my answer. Yeah. yeah, you got my first answer. Me, me neither. I am going with Battle Royale. Oh. Fuck yes. Damn it, I forgot to put that one on my list. I'm going to run out by one. the time I get, it gets to me. <laughs> I only got four, and that's one of them. Great. 101. All right, Brian, you're up next. All right, I only picked two because I kind of figured no one was going to pick the ones. And also, <laughs> I didn't think I was actually going to be competing, so I didn't need more than two. But uh, I, well, my first pick is Matango, a.k.a. Attack of the Mushroom I knew People. knew it! When you said you had some guesses as to what I was going to pick, I figured you. <laughs> that, was that was number one, one right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. It's classic. <laughs> a Shiro Honda Toho monster movie. Uh, great, eerie, atmospheric horror flick. Uh, cast of Toho All Stars. Great monster designs. It's fucking unbeatable. You so, mean- everyone get out there and vote for Matango, even if you haven't seen it. But then go see Matango because you really should. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve podcast earlier, and they just covered mm-hmm. they just covered that one on a couple of. They did, I know. I, I messaged John as soon as I saw the title <laughs> pop up in my Stitcher, like, "Dude, you did Matango! That's awesome!" <laughs> All right, and Saint Mike then follow that one. All right, let me think. Let me think. How? What direction do I want to go? Do I want to go? Away from me, please. I know, I know. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, I don't want to steal because I've got some ones, and I'm like, that is probably the real answer, but those are probably tads, and I'll be nice this time. I'm gonna go with, I'm just gonna go from the heart with probably my favorite island horror film, uh, Raw Force. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck yes! See, everyone's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go from the heart." Like it's weird. Go from the heart. <laughs> Tell the people what you love. It's like who cares about the votes? But but Brian, you and I are gonna just always pick movies that nobody's fucking heard of. <laughs> well, that's their problem. And <laughs> this is true. All Not right. if I want to win. <laughs> All right, Ted. I know <laughs> they probably stole yours, but you're up no, next. No. Pick four. No, I, um, I'm gonna go with zombie. Oh damn! God damn! Nice. Nope, there you go. That's a big one. Nice one. Bring yep. out the big guns. For Fulci. Sure. And I feel like this one is going to be on someone else's list, so I'm not going to pick it. I'm going to wait until someone... But I'm going to go with one from the heart. (laughs) From the heart that no one else I know is going to pick, but I truly love it, and it's The Lighthouse. 
I knew it. I knew yes. it. I knew, knew it. it. That was one I thought about saying, but I'm like, that's going to be one of Tad's. I just know it. Did you yeah. like that Wait, movie? Zombie was just a bid for yeah. votes. Do you not actually no, love I, that movie? No, I fucking love Zombie, but that, that one I will get the votes and I love it. And uh, True. so yeah. very two opposite ends of the spectrum. A, white, a black and white A24 art house <laughs> film and Fulci. So. Yep, that was on my list. All right, Insane Mike, you're back up. Pick six. All right, so I'm just going to go balls to the wall and say fuck it. Um, Anthropagus. That was on my list. That was the other one. (laughs) Anthropophagus. Awesome. Awesome. So we helped each other out. You didn't take mine, I didn't take yours. I'm loving all this non-super newer mainstream, just not trying to go for the votes, just all the gnarly, nasty exploitation call-outs in this I didn't see this one until Joe Bob showed it, so it's recent for me, a recent first-time watch for me, but yeah. Nice. Wait till we get to um, honorable mentions. (laughs) All right, Brian, you're up next. Pick seven, your second and final pick. Going back to the OG island horror movie and the very first adaptation of island of dr moreau island of lost souls nice good one sweet awesome now watch brian's gonna win this son of a bitch (laughs) 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 all right andy finish it off pick eight what do you got left Uh, all right i'll save my uh i've got two in my head but i i will save my um uh, honorable mention, but I will go with the original old school 1973 Christopher Lee, The Wicker Man. Oh, I was gonna be fucking shocked. hell. Yeah, that, I was gonna be shocked. It didn't even everybody. occur to me oh, to think shit. of that because, nice. yeah, Summer's it is on an Isle. Shit. Yep. Summer's Ooh. Isle. Yep. And that's like a top five all time favorite movie a run period for, this for me. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. So I, that's a list. I know you guys want to do honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. What about you, Jason? Do you have any honorable mentions? If you could pick, oh, you always say it to the guest. I didn't think that far. The Wicker Man. <laughs> the, the Nick Cage one. Dude, how to get burned? Jeez. How to get Dude, burned? Let's get technical here. What's, what's one of your all-time favorite horror movies? What's your, one of your all-time favorite movies? What's your one of your all-time favorite movies from the 70s that's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre? You put me on the spot. With, with an island and big man-eating fish jaws yeah that's on an island okay amity island that was on that was on my that was on my list and i was avoiding it because i thought for sure that one would get get yeah, shouted out nobody won votes on this one that's I cool guess. <laughs> they had to vote for somebody yes honorable mentions um okay i had um island claws on mine oh uh, god <laughs> i love that movie i'm just it's just so impressed on how low budget and shitty that movie is, but the giant crab monster is freaking awesome looking. It, yeah, it looks cool. It doesn't move, but well, it looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. <laughs> um, I also put uh, this one's for Jason Zombie Doom, aka Violent Shit Three. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Life is full of piss and shit, and now these tin masked assholes are puking in our faces full of shit. Yes, Brian can quote it. That's awesome. That was legit quoted. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the best overdub of all time. Yes. Sounds like people in the closet doing the dubbing. Um, I'm, I'm surprised nobody said this one. This one I thought for sure would be a, uh, a voter grab uh, Shutter Island. I had that on my list. Um, I also had Most Dangerous Game. 
Um, and then back to uh, from the heart, I put who can who can kill a child on there. Uh, Killer shrews and island of death. Ooh, fuck yeah! Oh god, I love island of death. You want some goat <laughs> fucking? You want to watch island of death? <laughs> And an old lady getting a golden shower and then being decapitated by a bulldozer. You don't see that every day. <laughs> God damn. Um, Any other honorable mentions? I, I got a few. Uh, you've got old school Lord of the Flies. Um, yeah. Uh, I had Black Rock, which we watched on the uh, uh, I on thought the about show. that one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and... This is I got. I'm kind of surprised that neither um, Insane Mike or Brian mentioned this one, but Humongous with the dog on the island. Oh yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's that's not a bad one. Yeah, good. I would say the rest of the Blood Island movies. <laughs> I was. I thought if he wasn't going to say Mantango, it would have been one of the other Blood Island movies. But since we're talking about well, one of I those, fi- so. right? That's what I figured. That would be cheating. But and I didn't even think of Jaws because most of it's on. Well, half of it's on a boat, so that wasn't in my head. That yeah, Amity's an island too. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Cool. Well, everybody get your butts over to Twitter. Brian's going to start an account. You can all say hi and uh, follow him. You can uh, get these votes in at AOTKP. And that is Pole Position. All right, let's talk about some movies. Some movies on an island. Yes. Well, on different islands. Not all these movies take place on the same island. But Andy, what's first? Our first movie comes to us from 2004, and it is Broken Lizards Club Dread. The warp mines behind Super Troopers. Oh, over. He's pulled over. He can't pull over any farther. You know how fast you're going? 65. 63. Used to be the Fuzz. Yeah, fiesta time. Are you ready to party? Now they're catching a buzz. So you came here to escape civilization, and we're going to hold you to it. In this tropical paradise. Large Bronkhorst, I'm the new masseur. We swapped out a six-foot Swedish broad for this guy. I'm 6'1". Everyone's got to stick together. Whoa, 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 code red, bogey, bogey. Oh, dude, check out that. (laughs) What's up? Dude, don't be gay, man. If they don't want to get whacked. What is it? Too waxy? No. What? And they're either getting killed. <laughs> Are you telling me there's some totally deranged dude running around out there? Or getting lucky. Is it too much to ask? Have sex with the guests. Some of them are bad looking. There's Putman, the tennis pro. You've got your arms around me, Jenny. I can only assume this means every other man on the island is dead. Juan, no, no, the no. dive master. That is a beautiful name. Pinalop. Lars, the masseur. I can see how tight you are from a mile away. What can I say? Some girls are just tighter than others. <laughs> Sam, the fun police. Who wants to limbo? Dave, the DJ. If you're the killer, that's cool. Just, you know, don't kill me. It could be anyone. Run! If you're dying for a vacation. Come on, let's just have a drink and mellow out. Join the club. Oh, Oh, yeah! Broken Lizards Club Dread. When a serial killer interrupts the fun at the swanky coconut pizza 
Coconut Beach Resort, a hedonistic island paradise for swingers. It's up to the club staff to stop the violence or at least hide it. Um. Okay, wow. I first off want to say that uh, Bill Paxton, rest in peace, you beautiful son of a bitch, because he is awesome in this. <laughs> um, I think that this movie didn't get a fair shake when it came out because I think it just was part of like the it was like their sophomores uh follow up to Super Troopers and since Super Troopers was so beloved that this movie didn't get a fair shake and I I think I read about that a lot uh I bought this when it first came out and I loved it I I think it's still funny to this day and I'm just like if you want to watch like a horror comedy spoof like everybody there's like there's five scary movies and not a single one of them are good, but this one you know does Lies. its job, you know. Uh, Wrong. That's just that's my my opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, just Bill Paxton in this and just all the people in it and they're you know they they rely on a lot of. Uh, uh, slasher movie tropes, but I mean that's what basically this movie is about. There's a lot of red herrings. They try to throw you off thinking that like you know Penelope or Penelope in this case is uh, is the killer and she's this gymnast or like maybe it's her uh, instructor coming back to to kill people and yeah you never actually know who you know the the killer is and and since it's a comedy you almost don't even really care. Uh, you're just you're just having a, a lot of fun with the ride. Um, uh, this movie's got great quotes in it, in my opinion. Um, just between MC Ganey's, uh, you know, uh, there's always some fuckhead out there wanting to shit in the apple pie, but you just met the one apple pie that knows how to shit back. Uh, love that line. Um, Bill Paxton completely freaking out on, you know, teaching those people how to cook uh, coconut pizza paella, and he chucks that coconut and, and knocks the, the clock off the ingredient? wall. <laughs> and he just <laughs> he screams, yes! And he fucking <laughs> just wings that coconut, man, just like Roger Clemens. It's fucking awesome. Do you think Eddie Money has to put up with this shit? <laughs> oh, man. Uh yeah, and it's and it's typical uh, broken lizard comedy stuff. Um, to me, um, next to Super Troopers, this is their best movie because uh, when they did like the Slam and Salmon or um, that Dukes Beer of Fest. Hazard, uh, eh, Beer Fest is pretty good too. But I think I like this one a little bit better. Um, but. Yeah, I I can't say enough good things about this movie. I know some people don't probably don't like it very much, but I th I think it's a blast. Um, yeah, what what did you guys think? I'll quit, uh, you know, building it up so somebody can tear it down. Probably. What's the tear down? This movie's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you made it. That was funny. <laughs> no, it's it's one of my favorite movies ever. This this is so funny it's these guys' humor from day one is just hit home and oh yeah you know uh everything all the playing on tropes all the just poking fun at things all the mm -hmm. half naked girls and all this <laughs> it's just i love it i Jordan love love Ladd love love, love this movie um is it like uh is this your favorite broken lizards then or i don't 
try to rate these things, but it's it's pretty high for me. I like them all, really. I think I do. I do too. I I like all their stuff. I've really gotten obsessed with Slam and Salmon, though. There's something about that one that I love. That one too. Really love. I I think it's good. I think it's good. That might be that. That might be a contender for my favorite out of their stuff, which is weird because it's the last one that they've done. You know, usually you would expect diminishing returns. You know, especially when they had such a gap between. What was it? Super Troopers two and Slam and Salmon. I don't remember which one yeah. came first. And but. I think Slam and Salmon is the one that Kevin Hefferman uh, directed, and not Jay Chattagascar. Oh, okay. I okay. love their TV show. Yeah. It's freaking amazing and hilarious. The Fire Station one. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So good. Something that PD. Would, yep. Or FD. Tacoma. Tacoma. Tacoma FD. Yeah. Love it. So great. Yeah, I'm with you. I I love their stuff, and you know their humor does really speak to me. And do you always get like little outside of the box jokes? You know, you 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 get subversed in like what you would expect this kind of humor to be. But once in a while, they'll throw you for a loop on a joke, like you know, in Super Troopers with the meow bit. Um, you know, which yeah. is which is so has been so transcended. You know, into into uh, you know pop culture like I, you know many times i've had conversations with somebody and they they throw in the meow thing um and you get some of that here too like i think it's a hilarious gag but who thinks of this shit right like the the human pac-man game <laughs> yeah and i was just gonna say like even the minor characters in this movie like that are playing the 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 Pac-Man game and he just fucking drills you know jay chadagascar and he says you know, a simple tag would have been fine, and he yeah. just, you know, this eat it, fuck nut, and then he just <laughs> runs off. You know, just yeah. And I love this movie. As far as horror comedy goes, especially in, in satirizing the slasher genre, there is not a funnier slashing slasher stalking sequence than seeing a guy dressed up as a freaking um, pear getting stalked in that maze. The 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 goofy look on that guy's face and the fact that he can't turn his neck i don't know there's something about him in that costume just cracks me up as he's being stalked by the killer um you got the great gag with the with the um golf cart uh where yeah the the killer can just walk up alongside as she's trying to speed away in the golf cart um you know they i feel like they do a decent job um i mean obviously it's it's definitely more on the comedy side I do appreciate up until like the reveal that they really try to keep the killer serious. There's like no slapsticky gags with the killer or anything like that. You know, I think yeah. that's that's an important element in in any good horror comedy. If you take try to take the horror element as serious as possible, um, I don't think they a hundred percent nailed it. Um, but uh, the fact that the killer doesn't play for laughs is um, is what helps that. And there's a couple of moments that like, if they just would have decided to make a, a straight up slasher movie, it could have been pretty cool. Like right. the, the opening, the, the opening scene, the final, the girl that get, well, the two girls actually, when the one is 
starts to fall off the side of the cliff and she reaches to grab onto something to pull herself oh. to safety and she grabs the blade and her hand just yeah. slides down the blade. That was freaking cool. That's a that's a real yeah, that's, awesome that's horror cringy. scene there. Yeah. Yeah. Or when the other girl gets her head chopped off and it's POV of the so POV cool. of her head was very, very cool. That you know so you get a few elements like that too. Um I mean it's few and far between as far you know but there, there was some really some cool thought into a couple of decent uh, little horror shots there, I think. But yeah, I love this movie. Who else? Uh, this is like the only uh, Broken Lizard movie I hadn't seen. I'd seen the cover, I'd oh. seen the trailers. Somehow I'd never seen this one. I love their other stuff. Maybe because of my expectations going into it and because it's a bit dated now, I should probably should have seen it when it came out and not waited so long because it just didn't do much for me. I felt the humor hmm. was a little, uh, I don't know, Too dated. Sophomoric? No, just dated. Like, it's just like, I, and I know their stuff is very, uh, like, bro comedy, sort of, uh, you know, gross out sometimes. Just And I love sure. that stuff. Yeah, I yeah. love that stuff in their other movies, and I still liked it here. There was uh, definitely some moments I laughed and. Uh, Bill Paxson was hilarious, and I love the idea that he's, you know, a Jimmy Buffett knockoff. And, uh, like, the the joke when they're sitting around the fire and the girl is, like, sing Margaritaville, and he's, like, it's, like, a big thing. Don't mention that song, you know, and and, uh, that that was funny. Seven and and a half fucking years. I just really wanted to, like, belly laugh like I do with her other movies. And, like I said, I think that's more on me for waiting this long to see it. Um but it's still it's still a good movie. It's my favorite of the three, obviously, but uh, just not my favorite uh, Broken Lizard movie. I'd say Super Troopers and Slam of Salmon are above this. Um, yeah, but I had fun with it. it. It's not. I didn't hate it by any means. I think I just went into it thinking I'm gonna freaking love this because it's Broken Lizard slasher movie. But I don't know, Brian. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hate comedy. Yeah, we learned in the bonus episode I had the that Brian exact... doesn't like comedy. So. <laughs> at, at, at a similar reaction to Tad for an opposite reason, but this will give the lie to my hating comedy too. I saw this right when it came out because I was so excited for their follow-up to Super Troopers, which I fucking love. I loved it when it first came out. I still love it. Like That's one of those movies, the first time I saw it, it was like, stomach cramp pain laughing (laughs) you know what i mean and then this is like there are some great moments in it that never add up to a great hole like you were talking about the scene like the falling and grabbing the knife the the decapitation and the the pov shot i i love the ending of the you know the killer won't die (laughs) yeah and that just that cracks me up still um so I watched it again fairly. Re- I didn't actually rewatch it like this week for the podcast because within the last few months, Terry and I watched this again, and it was the first time I'd seen it since it came out, and I liked it more the second time. Um, but it's it's. I feel like it's too long. It's a little too meandering. Like it just needs to be tighter. Like trim fifteen twenty minutes out of it. Just make it punchy. Go 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 it would probably work better. And I do like, I'm not sure if I've seen all of their movies, but this is my least favorite of the ones I've seen. So the two super troopers movies, I haven't seen Dukes of Hazard because I didn't know that was them. 
Um, Slam and Salmon's she really good. I love it, I, I love Beer Fest. Is it, so it's not like an official Broken Lizard yeah, movie. It's just Dukes of Hazzard because he he directs movie. a lot of stuff. So yeah, cool. But yeah, it's all right. All right. You and Hank are fucking dead. <laughs> uh, Tad, do you have any trivia for us on Club Dread? There's quite a bit of fun stuff on here. Um, Broken Lizard screened this film for Jimmy Buffett, who was so amused. He was so amused that he requested permission to sing some of the film's original songs on one of his live tours. Oh, so wow. apparent, apparently, he played a few of these songs. Please um, tell me he's playing Peter Kalatabur, though. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he has to play that one. Has to. Uh, and Did he DVD? sing him while he was running over manatees in his power boat? <laughs> Fucking Probably. asshole. <laughs> Fuck Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> uh, wow. In the DVD commentary, it is explained that the line, how many of you knew he was uncircumcised and smelled of oranges, was a line included in the script to see if anyone was really reading it before the film was greenlit. <laughs> <laughs> they just threw it in to see if anyone was actually reading it. Um, and then the final one I had was during the campfire scene, the cast tells the story of a former employee being tricked into having sex with a female corpse and going insane. Does anyone know that reference? Um, wouldn't that be... Uh, uh, Terror Train? Terror Train. Terror Train, yeah. So that's sort of a, a deep cut, sort of a fun reference. I know that one of the there, counselors yeah. is wearing like the same outfit from Friday the 13th. I noticed that little reference in there, too. Um, so, some fun you know, throwbacks, but I thought that one was cool just because Terror Train is not a, like, not everyone has seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Tad. So, Brian, what's our next film? Our next film is, I assume, a commiseration gift for you fuckers doing Wild Zero without me. (laughs) (laughs) It is Mad Doctor of Blood Island. got him aboard, he was half-conscious, so we tried to revive him. He turned into a raving lunatic. He killed one of my men before I finally got a bullet in What happened to him? He jumped overboard. It was right after sunset. We couldn't find a trace of him. But before he jumped, he bled a lot on deck. His blood was green. This is a barbaric experience in the most grotesque sense. You will see supernatural beings caught up in the rampage of gory brutality, and it will shock you and jolt you more than you would ever expect. Creatures living for synthetic green blood. They walk by night and take part in gruesome, unholy acts of savagery. (laughs) 
It's incredible. It's unbelievable. But you will witness scenes so frightening that your mind will not be able to accept what you see. But don't say we didn't warn you. The mad doctor of Blood Island is coming your way soon. And he's waiting for you. Why don't you pay him a visit? No appointments are necessary. But bring along your courage. You will need it. Yes, indeed. All right, a boat arrives on Blood Island, carrying Bill Foster, a pathologist investigating a strange disease afflicting the villagers, Sheila Willard, an American looking for her lost father, and Carlos Lopez, who managed to escape the island life and has come back to get his mother to go with him back to the mainland now that his father has died and she is alone on the island. Sheila's dad turns out to be a busted-down alcoholic. Mrs. Lopez refuses to leave the island, and it all ties somehow to the mysterious Dr. Lorca, who has been working with a unique strain of chlorophyll found only in the plants of Blood Island. Carlos's father was dying of cancer and begged Lorca to use a compound derived from the chlorophyll to treat him, but it turned him into a monster that has been brutally dismembering the natives. Since then, Lorca has been experimenting on the rest of the natives, many of whom he has locked in a dungeon, to try to reverse the effects. Ramon kills his ex-wife and almost kills Carlos, but he has a change of heart when he recognizes his son and, in classic mad scientist movie fashion, turns on Lorca, destroys the underground lab, and supposedly man and monster perish in a fiery blaze. Okay, so it's no secret at all that I fucking love these movies, right? <laughs> Had yeah. a feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is the reason why I had you on this, this show, yes. Fuck yeah, so I could listen to everyone else's misery at having had to watch this. <laughs> 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 Got him. <laughs> <laughs> so I first saw these movies in college when I picked up the old Image uh, Something Weird video DVD set at a used record store. Mm, I'd heard of them, but I never... You know, had found them in the wild, and then I found this box set for like eight bucks. Fuck yeah! Um, and I just immediately fell in love with them. They're so unlike any other kind of exploitation film, but at the same time, they're such a perfect distillation of everything I love about exploitation movies. Uh, the tropical setting provides lots of great scenery for the actors to chew. There's tons of nudity and gore, especially for their time. I mean, this came out in 1968, and like. Nobody but H.G. Lewis was making movies this graphic at okay. this time, yeah. which I know some of you watched the TV Elvira edit, so you did, probably didn't get all the guts, but mm -hmm. this is a gory-ass movie for 1968. This is a gory-ass movie by today's standards, not that it's, uh, you know, it's mostly just the monster attacks someone while the uh, camera zooms in and out and makes you nauseous and then cut <laughs> cut to a naked girl laying in a pile of sheep guts or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, that that's how you did it when you had no money. Um, but, yeah, the, oh, I, I just fucking love these movies. There's just something, they're a perfect time capsule. They're gross and gory and they're full of nudity, like I said, but there's also something kind of weirdly innocent about them. They also have this kind of, like, not exactly a universal monster feel, but they feel like monster movies made 20 years before them. They feel like a Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla, but with tits or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get that. Absolutely. And I think that comes a lot into play of like 
the design and creations of these creatures that are in the in the films. Oh yeah, yeah, and they are so low budget looking, and you know it's like <laughs> it's like paper mache and peat moss is what you make your <laughs> monsters uh-huh. out of. But they look cool; they're fun. There's a moment where the beast uh, turns to look at somebody, and you see through the eye hole of them like the mask is so far away from their like ill-fitting and not touching their face that you can see through the eye hole and out the others to like daylight through the other side (laughs) (laughs) but oh god love it and you know i don't remember either the dvd set that i had because i have the severin blu-ray set now i missed out on the pre-order where you could get a mask of the beast of blood because oh, I totally cool. would have fucking bought like they had a you know full on rubber Don Post Halloween type mask, but that sold out like in minutes. Um, but I did get the one that came with like some coasters and uh, a little recipe card of how to make a, a, a oath of the green blood uh, drink and like a drink stir and some other nice. just silly little tiki bar shit, uh, enamel pin and all that kind of stuff. But anyway. Either the DVD set I had was edited or I just like blanked out the animal violence because I don't remember there being actual animal killing in this movie until I watched it on the Blu-ray. And if a fucking course I've been like, because I love these movies so much, I wanted to show them to Terry. So Mm -hmm. a few months ago we watched Brides of Blood, which isn't the first one, but it's the first in color one and, and the one of kind of in this three-part continuity of Brides of Blood, Mad Doctor, and Beast of Blood. And uh, so we're sitting watching this one, and, you know, she's chuckling at all the goofy parts, and we're kind of having a good time. And then that luau scene happens, and, oh, that was... And I was just kind of sitting there like, oh, shit. (laughs) But I think, luckily, I think she was, like, playing on her phone at that point. Because there's a really, really long kind of boring dance sequence before that happens. Yeah, yeah. So I think she kind of maybe checked out for a minute, didn't see the whole thing, which is all for the best. Well, and that um, violent, it's not nearly as um, in-your-face and lingering on it as, like, the Italian cannibal films, too. Yeah, it's not, like, at least of the killing, but, like, there's a pretty long shot of one of those goats, like, twitching with blood squirting out of its neck yeah that was kind of kind of gnarly um and you know when i know it's coming like when i watch an attack yeah when i watch an italian cannibal movie i'm expecting it's like all right here we go but it just came as such a shock to me this time because yeah it's been a while since i've watched this one usually i go to one of the others that's another thing well it's a it's a a filipino movie they kill humans in filipino movies a lot of animals (laughs) made it was made in the Philippines, where life is cheap, the tagline from Snuff, the Mike and Roberta Findlay movie. But um, <laughs> you kind you, you kind of picked the worst one. <laughs> like, th- this is... So don't... It, guys, That's good if to you know. Didn't, at that, trust me. Guys, good to know. you should really watch... Because it, it, it kind of drags. This one really focuses more on the mystery of who what is Dr. Lorca doing and who is the monster. Um, the Brides of Blood, the one before this, John Ashley's in it playing a completely different character, has fuck all to do with this movie, except Dr. Lord, like the plants on Blood Island are weird and alive because they were irradiated by nearby nuclear tests. Um, so those are the plants that Dr. Lork is working with the chlorophyll on, and they briefly mention the evil one, which is what they call the monster in Brides of Blood, but otherwise 
completely unrelated. But then Beast of Blood, the next one follows. I mean, not as not only is it a sequel, it picks up literally the second the credits cut in this one. Like it's just right after the um, when you see that hand come out of the the lifeboat on on the ship. But yeah, so Brides of Blood is a lot more exuberantly goofy, even though it's not quite as gory. It's just much much sillier. This one is kind of a slow burn, like trying to draw you into the mystery and it maybe goes on a little bit too long in the middle. Um, and then beast of blood is like a Nat's hair away from being a, just a legitimately good movie. <laughs> it's like Eddie Romero learned how to make, well, it, it was co-directed. It's not just Eddie Romero. It's uh, Eddie Romero and Gerard De Leon co-directed this, but Eddie was the producer and kind of the, the force behind the whole thing. And then later on, he and John Ashley actually, uh, started a partnership and are producing movies for Roger Corman, among other people. Uh, I can get into that a little bit more in the trivia. Um, I will say Ronald Remy as Dr. Lorca looks, uh, because of the way his hair is styled and a little bit of streak of gray and the, the glasses he has, he looks a lot like Tadeo Takashima in Son of Godzilla. Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> the rest like, of you. Somehow got to get Godzilla in here. <laughs> of course I do. What did y'all think? I know you all hated it except for Mike, but tell me anyway. <laughs> well, before I let them all all hate, I will say I do love this movie too. I love the the whole the whole franchise. I I want to throw out there real quick um, that when I picked this movie, I thought for sure it was public domain and it would be everywhere, <laughs> but it's hmm. nowhere. It is literally nowhere. And so yeah, the guys had to. I have a DVD. I have it on yeah, DVD. I, d I wanted to say yeah that I was. I, I regret it's it's unfortunate that we had to. As much as I love Elvira, it's unfortunate that we had to watch that version. Yeah, because I didn't yeah. even think about it having. Yeah, guts, blood, ass, blood, and guts. Cut all all the all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, Mike, you said you have the DVD, so you probably have the same set I do, right? The no. old image one. No, I oh, wish it's a I different did. one. No, I have that crappy. Oh. Um, oh, I forget the label now, but it's it's a it's a label that most primarily just dumps public domain movies on a disc and cashes in a couple. Mill bucks. Creek. Oh, lower than Mill Creek, even. Alpha video? Yes, that's it. Oh. <laughs> so, unfortunately, yeah, that's the one I have. Um, so, yeah. I had so no I idea assumed... they did a version of this. What's that? I, I had no idea they did a version of this. Yeah, because, I mean, I so I assumed it was uh, public domain. And then I saw that it was um, on, uh, on Tubi. Tubi. But then when you click on it on Tubi, and I, which I did, and I start watching, and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't Mad Doctor of Blood Island. It's that 19... Doctor X. Yeah, it's that Doctor X movie from the 70s, also known as Venus Flytrap, which was... Yeah, like, the Ed Wood movie. Yeah, the Ed which Wood is awesome. movie. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's, it's also awesome. Um, but... Uh, but definitely, definitely not the same. I mean, I guess that it, actually has a guy from a Godzilla movie in it. <laughs> that's right, because that was like a, a wasn't that like a, a Japanese, Japanese co-production? Production. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How weird is that, right? Uh, Edward script, uh, Japanese production. So you get like, you know, the Japanese horror movie aesthetic of that era with the shitty dialogue of an Edward movie. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Anyway, but Mad Doctor is awesome. 
Okay, now we'll let all the haters go. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, Jason said something about too bad we had to watch the Elvira version, and I think that's the only thing that might have saved it for me. Uh, <laughs> have, having her it sort did. of make fun of the movie. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that if you're going to watch a movie for the podcast, you should go in and watch it, you know, without – uh, commentary on it because that can definitely uh, have an influence on your thoughts on it and yeah. I just had yeah. a hard time focusing on on this one um, and of course the quality wasn't great so I, as far as like actual video quality is hard it's very hard to even see yeah. uh, but I don't know I, I I'm not gonna hate on it I'm not saying no. it's unwatchable by any means and and it's not crap like i've seen a lot worse on the show it was uh <laughs> it was very much a product of its time and and i do wish yeah. i could see it with more gore and and the stuff that brian's talking about because that might have been at like one of those things where it's like at the very least we had that you know but um i yeah. didn't even have that so I, at least we had elvira's jokes i guess yeah. um right. so you know I, I won't talk too much about this one just because of that so We'll leave it as uh, uh, to be continued. I'd watch it again without Elvira. Yeah, I mean, if I could see a better version of this, because I feel like the version that we got to see with Elvira was like the the lighting was like pretty much used with like a flashlight. I mean, this movie seems so damn dark to me um, from the version we watched. Um, I wasn't really crazy, you know, and Elvira mentioned this. It's like, I wasn't really crazy with the zooming in and out, yeah, you know. Is, are, oh, yeah. Is yeah. anyone going to... As an effect. Stand up for that? Yeah. I was like, needs... what? No, I why can't even say that's a good idea. That, that was a strange uh, choice. <laughs> but at least yeah, through was... the whole movie. Yeah. Through every horrific moment, every time the monster like... appears. And maybe it's done because they know their monster mm. look like shit. So let's just yeah, Don't let them focus. say that again. Just push in um, the camera lens in and out it's really fast to distract but, the... Yeah, it's... I mean, uh, I I would like to give it another chance if it's you know if I can maybe watch a better version. I'm kind of you Seven know. Films uh, Blu-ray. Yeah, they look with, great. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, they clean they clean up nice. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on the same page with with Tad here. It's just like I had a because it was just it, I had such a hard time trying to focus on this and realize what's going on. I mean, I know that, you know, certain people are on the island and, you know, there's this green, you know, secret of the ooze ninja turtle drink or whatever the fuck it is, but <laughs> <laughs> and you know, chlor chlorophyll is bad and right. um but <laughs> Like, yeah, like I said, I mean, I would be able to tell you more and I'd be able to elaborate on you more to tell you if I really liked it or not. But I just I couldn't really uh, focus as well as I would have liked to on this movie. But, you know, nope. I, I'd give it another I'd give it another shot if I could, you know, see a better version of it. Hey, not a lot of hate, Brian. That was weird. You were. So yeah, ready. that's I know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, you know, uh. Since Brian is the uh, Eddie Romero expert on the show. Is that George's uncle, by the way? I have to ask that. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen okay. at some point. Maybe, maybe Cesar Romero's brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, do you have any fun little trivia about this movie, Brian? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, so since I, you did Eddie Romero uh, on a previous episode of uh, in Zane's Hall of Fame, so I didn't really dig too much into him because you'd already pretty well covered him. Uh, but so the two white people stars of the movie, so they could <laughs> sell it to U.S. drive-ins, uh, Angelique Pettyjohn, uh, she is best known for being in a Star Trek uh, episode in the, the original series called Gamesters of Triskelion. Uh, she was also in Mike Findlay's The Touch of Her Flesh and the Flesh and the Curse of Her Flesh as Claudia Jennings, the the wife of Richard Jennings, the stripper murdering weapons dealer lunatic. Those movies are fucking great too. You should check those out. Mike, I know you would love them. I don't you yeah, trust you probably like would hate them. Andy, you might like them. You like some of the weird sleazy stuff. I I do, but you mentioned Claudia Jennings because there was a real Claudia Jennings. Right. Like, in Gator Bait. Yeah, and Texas yeah. Dynamite Chase and mm-hmm. Death Sport. Right. The the Flesh movies were like 64, so that was a little before Claudia Jennings was, uh, was a big star. Um, uh, but her final role was in the full-length version of Mike Jitlove's The Wizard of Speed and Time, which was originally a oh. like five-minute short film that they used to play at midnight every year at B-Fest. Oh, well, they still play it. They just haven't had B-Fest for a little while because of the pandemic. Um, but and before the film print that they always rented burned up and broke, finally just get disintegrated to the point that it couldn't be played anymore, they used to play the, the short once, regular, and then they would turn the reel around and play it upside down and backwards. <laughs> oh, okay. It was amazing. I remember that short in um, when I attended the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, and we watched it straight, and everybody, you know, everybody in the room laughed at the same time and everything and then we turn around and watched certain segments in slow motion and there's subliminal messages throughout yeah. that oh, short I, film that tell I you don't about doubt that, it. yeah that yeah. like little messages that say laugh now and it's all it's all in tune with exactly when we laughed in the class mm-hmm. um i've never seen the full length version but yeah that, that was uh, her final role she also had a brief career as an adult star um, i i remember uh petty john the most personally from um uh fred Olin ray's biohazard mm, yep yep and where that, she's the psychic yeah and that was like after she was it did she have breast cancer or something she had some surgery done on on her on one of her boobs and i remember in the commentary talking about because like she shows her boobs in the movie but she's wearing this like weird undercarriage bra thing that still exposes yeah. the boobs but it's like she she wanted to wear it so it would cover up the scars because she's kind of got a big old hole in one of her boobies from the operation. Oh wow! So it's kind of I did not know that. Yeah, it was kind of it's kind of awkward watching that scene now, knowing knowing that information. Yeah, you can kind of so you can still kind of see the in, in the um, dent in the uh, in the boob. Uh, that's gnarly. Yeah, I'm surprised that Fred Olin Ray wasn't just. I mean, I know it's Fred Olin Ray, so of course he wanted the boobs, right? But, You'd think at that point, you'd be like, you know, you really don't have to do this. It's okay. We have other people. We can. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, Russ, he's just, he's just Russ Meyer ver, uh, 2.0, basically. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he's Russ Meyer point oh oh five. Are you, are you <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's even or more. 34 fair. double, uh, 36 double D Russ Meyer. <laughs> So John Ashley, <laughs> the guy who plays Bill Foster, got into movies because he went with a girlfriend to an audition for uh, an AIP movie called Drag Strip Girls. 
and he was just there to like accompany her. And then they gave him a part. She didn't get anything. <laughs> so he had a career in film TV as a singer. He was supposed to be kind of like a, a you know, Archall Jr. Elvis knockoff type of crooner guy. He got an offer to make a movie in the Philippines just as he was getting divorced. So he went down there and did uh, Brides of Blood and then was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to just stay here. <laughs> oh, he also has a brief role in 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's something. Yeah. Um, but so after he did a series of exploitation movies, women in prison movies in the Philippines with Eddie Romero, um, they made movies for Roger Corman. They made movies for Al Adamson. Uh, he became a liaison slash line producer on the ground in the Philippines for uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh, I never and then that. he moved back to the States and continued to produce some films, smaller stuff, but he did a lot of TV, including his biggest hit, Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, some fun little bits of stuff about the uh, people who are in Mad Doctor of Blood Island. I will say one more thing. I was at G-Fest this year, Yay. and in the dealer room there was a poster dealer, and he was probably just as surprised to have somebody at a Godzilla convention know what these movies were as I was to find the posters for them. <laughs> I nailed the trifecta of original one sheets for Brides, Mad Doctor, and Beast. Oh my gosh. And uh, they're pretty rare-ish in general, but especially the ones for Brides, I think there were only like a hundred or so of them printed. Oh my. So, yeah. So, so someday I want to get them all framed and kind of like bamboo looking things and, and make them the centerpiece <laughs> of like a horror tiki bar area of, of a house. That would be cool. Wow. That's brilliant. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, thank you, Brian, for some trivia there. Um, Tad, what's our last movie that we're going to talk about? Our final movie is We're Going to Eat You.
好似有輿論啊！雲吞麵邊有輿論啊？你估呢個魚片粥咩？嗯嗯。Okay, we're going to eat you. A secret agent investigates a village that is populated by crazed inbred cannibals, or at least that's what IMDb tells me. This movie is about.、Um, I don't know where to go with this, Brian. Please explain this to me. Uh, okay. No, I can't even do it. Yeah, come on. So, so there's a dude named Agent Nine 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 who is on the hunt for a international man of mystery thief named Rolex. And he comes to this <laughs> island where there is a village under siege by a group of militants who are fed human flesh by their chief to make them ravening cannibal people, and stuff happens.、Hmm. <laughs> so that's what we want. <laughs> That—that's about as. I mean, it's very silly. Yeah,、um, yeah. I will yeah. say this: the kung the kung fu holds up, though. I think they, yeah, yeah, there's the choreography. The choreography is like really good, and the deaths,、uh, you know, during the fights, you know, they they come across as accidental, which that which either makes it kind of like equal parts gruesome, equal equal parts funny, but、uh, yeah, it's. It's it's played for laughs, and、um, you know, just like there, like the one scene when, like the,、uh, our, I believe it's nine 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 and the the sheriff. I mean, they're just in there. They're in the、uh, sheriff station, and they're just pummeling the shit out of each other. And the sheriff's guards are asleep, like in the next room, and they're just like, "Oh, the chief is having sex," you know. It's like.、Ooh. Who screws that loud and like you know was smashing furniture and all this and that?、It's、You're doing just, it right. Well, I suppose so.、Um, the movie、uh, is a you know the you can tell the movie's a little dated because there's like a very large a very large transvestite man you know、uh, you know trying to you know sexually assault a lot of people, but.、Uh, Yeah, I mean, I the movie. If you know what you're getting, I didn't know what I was getting into, but once you realize what you're into, you can just have fun with it, and it's actually pretty entertaining. That's my two cents. Yeah, the the fights are great. I wish there were more of them. The bits where there's gore are also fantastic,、oh, like when、yeah. the dude gets、oh, sawn、yeah. in half. Like, oh my goodness, fucking brutal, yeah, gnarly. So this is. Choi Hawk's second film. He made it the same year as Dangerous Encounters of the First Kind, which I really want to see. That one's like really political and supposedly, or not supposedly, but is I have heard it is very violent, very <coughs> like very serious. Whereas this one、yeah. is kind of goofy.、Um, but he he made a lot of anti-communist short films、uh, as a film student. And a lot of that kind of carries over into this one too. I guess the the、um, the chief feeding his minions, other people like they're meant to be sort of a, a metaphor for 
communist China. So it's there's a little bit of a protest film in this, but at the same time, I think there was a lot of producers saying, no, make it funny and do this and go there. So it all winds up being kind of disjointed. Like, Trey Hawk doesn't even like this movie. He's, he's flat out said, yeah, this one's a mess. You can probably just skip it, watch some of my other stuff. And I love a lot of his other movies. Like, I don't see myself ever going back to this one, but I'll watch Legend of Zoo for the 90th time right now. Um, so I mean, the dude can make a movie. We actually covered another one of his movies uh, many moons ago on a vampire episode. He did the movie Vampire Hunters, where it's oh, that yeah. group of bungling goofballs chasing the uh, Jiangxi uh, hopping vampire creature, but... I get I get the impression that like maybe like Stephen Chow grew up on some of these movies and then which oh he yeah <laughs> went on to make you know Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle which I think is fucking brilliant oh yeah that I love Kung Fu Hustle mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't is wrong and dumb and should be ashamed of themselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah I um was first uh, um exposed to uh how do you say his first name Choi uh, Choi Choi Hart uh back in college um with uh you know some bootlegs and yeah I was kind of shocked at all the comedy in this uh, everything I've ever seen of his stuff is definitely far more serious uh and you know very a lot of great action stuff that he has done back in the day but uh this was definitely, and I too have always been wanting to see Dangerous Encounter of the First Kind. So knowing these two were back to back, and knowing what Dangerous Encounter was, this definitely threw me for a loop. I, I still had I still had fun with it. The kung Fu stuff is great. The cannibal stuff is is fun. Um, there's there's some moments where I did laugh out loud. Uh, like I think it's one of the, towards one of the final fight scenes when. Um, Somebody gets slashed in the face or whatever, and a chunk of flesh goes flying and hits one of the other cannibals, and he stops and kind of, you know, licks it a little bit, and then, you know, stuffs it in his shirt to eat for later. That that was a great gag. That's, I think that's the best gag of the whole movie. But, uh, um, yeah, but it is a bit it is a bit long in the tooth there. It uh, drags on a lot in between all the, you know, the gore moments and the. Um, uh, kung fu moments so uh, yeah it was it was all right not bad man guys i really enjoyed it it was great well you're a kung I fu guy i love kung fu movies yeah i just and yeah. I, I don't like i don't uh, i'm not an aficionado as far as like i don't know who makes them and who does what and but like Shaw Brothers, man. That's yeah, the way to give go. me that all day long, all day long. I love it, love it, love it. And like you said, the gore was awesome when it happened, and uh, I I had a great time with it. Cool, good, good. I'm watching it, and you know, and sometimes when I watch certain movies that I pick for the uh, podcast, I as I'm watching, I think about everybody's reactions. I don't know and, if you do. <laughs> I do. I sincerely do. And I'm watching this one, and I'm thinking, oh man. Jason's probably going to hate this. And then I had that moment of like, but he always says I do. he really likes old classic kung fu theater and shit like that. So, so I was I didn't know. I didn't know where he'd land on it. So that's good. Ted? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought I expressed earlier. I, I yeah. If I don't know what I watched, um, 
I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed watching the kung fu and I enjoyed watching the gore yeah. and at least we had that, you know. Um Yeah. <laughs> I'll be short and sweet. It just I, I I really had no idea what the fuck was happening. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Did you have any trivia for this one, Tad? There's nothing. I mean, this movie doesn't like I I had like a five word description. There's nothing on on the uh, IMDb for trivia for anything. I, I my trivia is I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> well, I have one bit that should there, be... they use some Suspiria music. Yes, yeah, I yep, noticed that. That's what I yeah. was going to say. Yeah, the blatantly obvious ripping off, uh, stealing Goblin music, and that was the that was the thing too. I found really interesting. I. I kind of like the overall score, but it's so all over the place. Sometimes you get some of that like stereotypical old timey like Hong Kong, you know, symbols and, and and you know music, and then you get like straight up Goblin, you, you know, music from Suspiria, and the, and it wasn't like they used a lot of the soundtrack. It was always the same bit yeah. over and, and over again. It's like it felt like. They were playing it like sometimes they put when they're editing or when they're on set they put like placeholder and then they replace it later and it's Just like they didn't anything. replace it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably not too far <laughs> off because I, I I read that uh, they used Suspiria because they just didn't have have the budget to score the movie. So you're probably not too far off with that assessment. Yep. Um, but even like there's like moments if you get some like you know like old timey spooky haunted house theremin type music you know type music <laughs> mm-hmm. in there which i enjoyed so um so so i kind of like the score but it's so all over the place there's no theme to the score whatsoever anyway there we go check it islands. out islands yeah that's that's our topic island horror and that is the movies we discussed and so it's that's the island horror is it island horror no no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for the topic, but we definitely still have more show to come. Uh, we're going to take a quick break so you can hear a promo for the podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Now with over 30 different shows, including the Horrorcast, which is a film discussion show where friends review and discuss horror cinema, old and new, in-depth reviews, horror news, collectors, discu- uh, collectors discussions, and lists. Lots of lists. If you want intelligent horror film discussion, this is your show. Check out the horror cast and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And welcome back to the show. We're now sick and tired of hearing ourselves talk, so we want to hear from you. Here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 All right, 
on this episode shout outs we asked the question what are your favorite island horror movies and these are your answers up first we got attacker rose she says that blake lively movie where the shark won't let her swim back to shore the shallows good one um, yeah i like that Fuck one yeah that movie was great mm-hmm. really good um that was all we had over on facebook but on instagram that's right we got old school video the reebster yeah. he says there are so many i'm going to go with shock waves horror Ooh, yeah. horrors oh, of yeah, spider yeah. island <laughs> yeah. white, white zombie yeah. oh yeah and yeah. Escape from New York. It's nice. John Carpenter, and it's an island close enough to horror. <laughs> <laughs> in, ran into that guy at Crypticon, too. Yeah, lucky yeah. duck. Yep. And then over on Twitter, we got the Amateur Destroyer at Amateur Destroyer says, I can't think of many off the top of my head except a few obvious ones. The Wicker Man and Jaws are my favorites. There's The Ring. The Lighthouse, I've always liked The Beach, though it's not straight-up horror. Jurassic Park, of course. Mm-hmm. Battle Royale is super dope. Yeah, it is. Nice one. And then lastly, uh, the Bad Movie Bunny podcast at Bad Movie Bunnies. She says, The Wicker Man with Christopher Lee, hands down. That's right. Yeah, those are some good ones. Um. And oh, there the lights beeping. Ah, oh, we better answer it. Hey, Attacker Brian here for my bi-weekly phone call. Sounds like we're talking island horror this episode. And when I think of island horror, my favorite has to be rooted in my roots. Grabbers from Ireland. I love that movie. <laughs> That's Horror Island. Another two I think of are Turkey Shoot mm. and one I yeah. just watched this weekend. Sweet Sugar, they're both on an island. Oh, yeah. Maybe 70s smut, maybe not horror. But, I mean, being stuck on an island, being hunted, and having to work in a sugar cane field sounds pretty horrific to me. Hope you guys have a good time. Enjoy the show. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks, Godzilla. Turkey shoots the one with Railsback, Steve Railsback, right? And Olivia Hussey, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And the other one, he said smut, so he's had my attention. That's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sweet Sugar is great. And there's a scene in it with some cats that is so fucking funny. Not intentionally funny, <laughs> oh, but gosh. it's great. Oh, fun. All right. Well, all you guys can leave your voicemail, too. Give us a call at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail. Get your voice on the show. And that is shout-outs. Now, Insane Mike invites you to join him in taking the oath of the green blood. Only by consuming this mysterious emerald fluid can you be protected from becoming a savage, brainless monster when you are subjected to the terror, the menace, the mind-corrupting horror of Insane's Picks. I forgot how much I missed Brian's intros to my to my segment. <laughs> All right, so this is the third part in our discussion of Edward D. Wood Jr. Um, 
After many failures and canceled projects, Wood began a downward spiral through the 60s and 70s. Beginning in 1963, up until his death, Wood wrote at least 80 lurid crime and sex novels, including 100... uh, in addition to hundreds of short stories and non-fiction pieces for magazines and daily newspapers. Some of his novels include Black Lace Drag in 1963, uh, Drag Trade in 67, Devil Girls in also in 67, uh, It Takes One to Know One in 67, uh, Death of a Transvestite, uh, The Perverts, Sex Shroud and Caskets, all in 1968. Uh, A Study of Fetishes and Fantasies in 73. Death of a Transvestite Hooker in 74. And Forced Entry, also in 1974. Wood depended almost entirely on writing pornography and earned a living receiving about $1,000 per novel, which he spent almost immediately on alcohol at the local liquor store. In 1965, Wood handled various production details for the film Orgy of the Dead, based on one of Wood's adult books. However, directing duties went to Stephen C. Oh, man. I forgot how to say his name. Postoloff, uh, who directed under the pseudonym A.C. Stephen. Um, Orgy of the Dead is quite the interesting film. It's basically just a bunch of... um, Striptease dances uh, with with a little bit of horror element. The thing that always um, got me about Orgy of the Dead is it wasn't directed by Wood, but have I, I have never seen another film that looks more like an Ed Wood production than Orgy of the Dead with the bad continuity, uh, daytime scenes and nighttime scenes taking place simultaneously, uh, the bad, bad, bad dialogue and stilted acting. Um, you know, it's just, it all, I always thought it was an Ed Wood movie until I learned later in life. The film began well, with a recreation of the opening scene from Night of the Ghouls where Criswell, wearing one of Bella Lugosi's old capes, rises from his coffin to deliver an, introdu- an, inter- an introduction take almost word for word from the previous film. Set in a misty graveyard, uh, the Lord of the Dead, played by Criswell, and his sexy cohort, uh, the Black Ghoul, a vampire, uh, vampire lookalike, presides over a series of macabre performances by topless dancers from beyond the grave, all recruited from Wood's favorite local strip club. Uh, the film also features a wolfman and a mummy. Uh, together, Wood and uh, A.C. Stephen w- went on to make a string of sexploitation films up, up to 1977. Wood co-wrote the screenplays with uh, Stephen uh, and occasionally even acted in some of the films. One of the films would appear in was 1969, The Photographer, also known as Love Feast or Pretty Models All in a Row, uh, would portray a photographer using his position to engage in sexual antics with the models. I do have this one on DVD. It is quite the treat. It's hard to watch all the way through because it's literally just scene after scene of another model showing up to his house, pretending to take a few pictures of the girl, and then convincing her to go into the bedroom where all the other girls are rolling around having an orgy. And it would would strip to his underwear, 
roll around on the bed with the girls for a little while, and then the doorbell would ring, and he'd start the whole process over again. That's the whole movie. Uh, Take It Out and Trade in 1970 was a, a pornographic film that Wood also wrote and directed. In 71, he produced and wrote, uh, produced and he wrote and directed uh, ne- Necromania, subtitled A Tale of Weird Love, under the pseudonym Don Miller. The film was an early, was an early entry to the new subgenre of hardcore pornography films. Uh, though lost for years, it resurfaced in, in edited from an edited form uh, in, on Mike Varney's Something Weird imprint in the late 1980s and was re-released later on DVD by Flesh, uh, Fleshbot Films in 2005. In Randolph Gray's biography, Nightmare of Ecstasy, uh, Vampira said she declined Wood's offer to do a nude scene sitting in a coffin for necromania, claiming she was recovering from a stroke at the time. From 71 to 72, Wood directed an unknown number of short X-rated films produced by Swedish erotic film by a Swedish erotic film company. Uh, there were uh, short 12-minute loops that were silent films with subtitles, and Wood was paid $100 for each 10 loops uh, he subtitled. Um, that's where we're going to stop for this episode. When we get into part four of Ed Wood, it's when uh, things really, really, really start going downhill for the guy. And that'll be the conclusion of inducting Ed Wood into Insane's Pick Hall of Fame. It's funny that uh, Vampira begged off being in Necromania because she had a stroke, because everyone who saw that movie also had a stroke. Have you seen that one? Because it's porn. <laughs> oh, stroke. I get it. <laughs> ah, All right. <laughs> All right. Still got it. <laughs> okay. So this is the tale of our castaways. They feel like they've been here a long, long time. They'll have to make the best of things, even with my really bad rhymes. The first mate and his skipper, too, will do their very best. To make the others comfortable in this tropic island nest. No phone, no lights, no motor car, not a single luxury like Robinson Crusoe. It's primitive as can be. So join us here every other week, my friends. You're sure to get a smile from our seven stranded castaways here on Attack of the Killer podcast. Bye. Oh no, could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer podcast.